0: Hello and welcome back to the FEZ show. It is Friday the 17th of April and we have some amazing topics to talk to you about today. If you are enjoying the content and you haven't hit that subscribe button yet, it's just down below. Give it a hit. And on today's show, we've got two amazing members of the FEZ crew. Joining me again is William Dodds and Edward Hunter. Morning, boys.
1: Hiya. Hey,
2: Jack. Great to see you. Great to be with you again. And you too, Will.
0: Yeah, it's great. It's great that we're doing another show. Obviously, big news yesterday, which we're going to touch on because we obviously we discussed it in yesterday's show. So if you really want to go into proper depth, um, have a look at yesterday's show. But Berlin officially postponed, okay, because it was sort of obvious with the news coming from Angela Merkel on Wednesday when she announced that the large events bans were carrying on to the thirty first of of June uh, of August. Apologies, and therefore the race in June was very unlikely to happen and then obviously formulary confirmed that yesterday. So Will what did you make of the news?
1: Yeah sadly inevitable um, I think given kind of what's been what's been said in Germany and kind of what we already knew. Um, Luckily I think because of the the kind of nature of this event and kind of its unprecedented um, nature I think that means that we'll be able to be flexible with it and hopefully rearrange. I think that Everyone knows that you know sticking to schedules is not something that was going to be possible. So, yeah, it's, it, it, it was inevitable, and I think we we kind of saw it coming. But uh, yeah, I hope I hope to see it rearranged or you know some sort of solution, whether they go to Berlin or not.
0: The thing is for me is that it's really you know hit Formula E's plans on the head. I think what they were hoping for is that they could have possibly fit that race in in August. If they had to delay it from June, I thought maybe they thought of thought August would have been good. Same with London, potentially, because we're expecting both London and New York to also be postponed and pushed back. Um, so they may be thinking August, but now that means, Ed, that September is probably the earliest point that we will go racing.
2: Indeed. And of course, there are rumours that we were talking about a few episodes before about the Asian lake to end out the season. Um, but in general, I think, The German government, Angela Merkel, made the right call. And even in the UK, we've had the lockdown extended another three weeks. And there's more important stuff going on in the world right now. Uh, But I think we will get back to Formula One day. So uh, it's the right move. But I think there's reasons for optimism for the future, like you said. Yeah,
0: I just, as I said, it's sort of just... Formula plans are probably racing sooner than they wanted to. Have Probably been hit on the head and everything's been pushed back. But as I said, as we discussed yesterday, Formula are very much open to racing into October now. So and it means pushing back season, uh, season seven testing, possibly into November, maybe even December. And then maybe starting the season in January. But I want to move on because we've got plenty to discuss in today's episodes. And one of the things that we've been really looking forward to discussing actually is our top five craziest moments in Formula E. Now, I'm pretty sure most of you at home are like, how can you put Formula E's moments or crazy moments into just five? Because surely every weekend is a crazy moment with the amount of just action that we get. But we've done it. To be fair, it took us a while to pick five because we went through, we went through quite a few. But we're going to start off with number five and then we're going to discuss it. So the fifth one that we went for was the Degrassi Grassy and Verline finish in Mexico? Now, why that was crazy? It was just because of the how it happened. Basically, last lap, last hundred meters, effectively to cross the line. Verline running out of energy. The little cut chicane that Verline did to sort of keep the lead, but then ultimately ran out of energy, and then the Grassy swerving past him to win. I think everyone's heart were in their mouths. Everyone was on the edge of their seat watching that. Ed you know why did you help say that that was our fifth pick
2: yeah i think it's a good choice uh to have on the list definitely and um ever uh, i himself obviously would put it as one of his top i think he said at the time it was his best formulae win ever uh I, I i think he's had a lot of good wins uh but um the, he was pressuring. I remember he was pressuring Verline pretty much for out the entire after the red flag for the PK Junior crash. He was pressuring Pascal Verline for pretty much the entire race. And of course, there was the thing on Pascal that he'd just joined Formula a few races before. So there was obviously a lot on pressure on him. But we, all, I think, a lot of people wanted to see Pascal Verline become one of the um, uh, the best rookies since uh, Vosnesk to like win really early on into his Formula career. So, and there was the moment where Verline cut the chicane which inevitably got him penalized after the race anyway so him running out at the end almost uh didn't really matter because he was he was going to lose after the race anyway which would have been probably more painful for him had Degrassi not just picked him at the finish but yeah it really came down to the fine margins on track at least and uh yeah it was especially having to wait so long after the red flag it was worth the wait really
0: yeah, and I suppose it's one of those races where you know it was a good race, but then we're coming down to that final lap, and where everything's to play for, and then what happened and how it happened, it was just surreal. I remember watching it; I was on the edge of my seat. I couldn't believe what I just seen. I was like, now I got to write a race report, and I don't know where to start. And I'm like, oh, I seen that seems to happen a lot in Formula E every time the race finishes, but Mexico was just out of this world.
1: Yeah. it's motorsport you don't often get these these tight finishes usually even even in a great race you'll see the person who eventually wins they'll they'll have a little bit of breathing room so just to this kind of like drag race towards the end is just it's just something you don't see very often at all in any form of motorsport um and yeah just to to see a rookie going up against kind of like a an experienced champion it was just yeah it, it's just something you don't see very often and uh, I'm, i wouldn't be surprised if that's degrassi's best win um And I agree with Ed, yeah. In a way, for Verlein, it's probably lucky that he got pipped at the end because had he beaten Degrassi over the line and then had the penalty, I think that would have been been really gutting. So, yeah, it's it's, it's a great moment and just something you don't see very often, even in Formula E.
0: Yeah, indeed. So number four then. So number four was a toss-up because we had... We were looking at the season one Monaco crash. Now, a lot of probably OG Formula E fans will remember how crazy that was. But then when we were looking at crashes, we couldn't ignore the burn pile up that happened last season. Because that was just crazy. And it was very similar to the Monaco. Because I remember I was there in Monaco season one. And we looked at that corner and went, there's going to be a massive crash. And then, just like in Burn, all the drivers, all the media looked at that chicane and when there's gonna be a massive crash and all of a sudden race as soon as the race started boom red flag everyone apart from three drivers were involved will it was just absolute craziness
1: yeah this was this was pretty mad um and i think that there's actually been a change in formula e to try and kind of eradicate these these really tight chicanes especially at the beginning because of this crash but yeah it kind of I I think it got triggered by by Freintz kind of losing it going into that first corner and he tipped one person. It was just like a domino effect and just basically they all come slamming into this chicane, about 11 cars. I think a few of them get through Um, and yeah, it was just uh, about a 45 minute wait for the race to get underway again. So like almost the entire length of the race just in, in kind of waiting, sitting around and yeah, it was it was uh, madness. Um luckily when it did get restarted, it was a, a pretty good race. Pretty good battle between Vern and, and Mitch Evans. But uh yeah, this was this was kind of I mean, for something to happen quite rarely, quite fun, but also like you can see why Formula E would want to avoid it because it just it was just it was just mayhem.
0: Yeah. It was part of that forty five minute wait it was just moving all the cars because they were just completely stuck so it's like well i've only got like two cranes i can't move like 15 cars out of the way in like five minutes but um but obviously some cars were able to drive off once like verline because verline got pinched in by buhemi against the wall but ed what we were what i was going to say mention is you know back in the early season season one season two season three we did have bob the bollard who was obviously just a bollard but was renamed bob the bollard because our good friend bob yes because because Formula E drivers seem to always hit the bollard, but that was used in the chicanes. So, so there was a little, like, escape route, but there might have been some sausage curves that they would have had to go over, so they went slower. But then Formula E obviously put in these sort of, like, these massive tech pro barriers to actually, like, form these chicanes, which we sort of see in testing as well, that they don't have, you know, if they get it wrong in testing in Valencia, they hit a wall. They don't hit some cones or something. So do you think Formula E from that learn that maybe, you know, Getting rid of these tech pro barriers and actually putting in um, these going back to Bob the Bollard essentially um, probably in future would be a better solution.
2: Maybe I think that's an interest. That's certainly an interesting debate to have whether they went from Bob the Bollard uh, where you just go around the bollard. Uh, like I remember particularly Berlin season two at Karl Marx LE that circuit they used that. A lot of front wings were collapsing, and drivers were just missing the chicanes. Uh, but um, they, they almost—you know, point—they almost went too far the other way in, in some circuits. Like, Bern is definitely, was definitely one of them. Arguably, you could say Rome as well. There was a big pile up there that, that year too. <laughs> With Bern, was in the big delay. There was all the drivers arguing at Scott Elkins, the race director, uh, De Grassi, Massa, a couple others who had made it through and gained some places in all the melee by cutting the chicane. We're saying, oh, why we did most of the lap? Why don't we get to keep the places that we gained at the restart? And it was this big controversy in the race. I think Scott has made the right choice in the end, just to reset the grid order because it would have been a mess, and you would have had the other drivers having a big fit about it as well if they'd gone the other way. So, so yeah, um, very controversial, very uh, dramatic, and that's why it's on the list.
0: And so number three. We went with... Now, this probably will be controversial because this was probably former E's first big moment. And lots of people who have done these sort of lists before in previous seasons would have put this one in number one. But we put it in number three. And that is the Beijing season one, fell and Pros Collision. I think now, over time, we've had some some crazier moments uh, than what it was. I... What made that moment so spectacular will was because it was the first season and it got formulary in newspapers it got people talking about formulary it was probably the best PR stunt formulary could have asked for so i, I suppose that's why it's such an iconic moment for formulary but i think as time's gone on now we're in season 6 i don't think it's the craziest moment we've ever seen
1: yeah as you said in terms of PR it's pretty much kind of as good as Formula Rui e could have hoped for in a very bizarre way. I mean, it's a, a well-known driver in, in Nick Heidfeld, you know, in a just insane crash. Uh, you know, it, it's one of those crashes sometimes you see in motorsport where you're just like, how is the person involved in this okay? Um, you know, flipping his car three or four times, hitting a barrier. It, it, it was an enormous crash. And it's, it's one of those that you still see and you're kind of still shocked, even though you know, you know, five years on, there, it's fine, but yeah, it was just a crazy incident to have, especially in your first race in your first season. It, it was, uh, it was crazy. But uh, as as you say, yeah, we've had similar incidents since, and I think that it's always best that I think a good step. The Formula E is now more renowned for its you know exciting racing and overtaking, perhaps, than it is just for being like bumper cars or Mario Kart. So. As much as I think this is a crazy incident, I'm I'm glad that's not our number one for that reason.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I think I agree with you in that sense, Will. And the other thing is, for Formula got a lot of mileage at this moment to the point that uh, was it Lewis Hamilton, the Formula World Champion, the what, six times Formula World Champion, actually who. Saw it on Instagram or something, and made a post about it uh, four or five years later, reacting to it as if it were, had just happened. Because obviously he doesn't keep up to date with formally. Maybe that's changed since. Uh, but yeah, that just sort of shows how it's still controversial. People still have a big opinion on it today. Whether about you know Nico Prost and I think how to say Nico Prost should get a penalty. And I um, think, well, Nico served that penalty four years ago, Lewis. <laughs> Go easy on <laughs> him. But, yeah, I think everyone loved that moment, apart from, of course, maybe Nico Prost, for whom it was embarrassing, and Nick Heidfeld, who got launched through there and did barrel roll, which um, I was surprised he didn't get out so quickly and be ready to fight Nico Russ, because I think if I that had just happened to me, I would want to sit like have a lie down for a while, <laughs> personally. But, yeah.
0: yeah, I suppose you're right, though. It is such an iconic moment that, it's still talked about today and that was the first race ever in Formula E and I think just because it was the first race ever in Formula E it's why it's iconic and it's why people still talk about it and even now if you were to show that in a clip somewhere it might still bring in casual fans to Formula E so I I still think it serves a purpose sadly in terms of obviously it's not a great that it was a collision but in terms of a PR event for Formula E and actually attracting people to Formula E it probably still serves a purpose. Um, So number two then so we're getting into the juicy section now so number two we went for the Bwamey rant in season three obviously in Montreal it just a day, basically, where it just did not go his way, Ed, and it, he just he just melted after the race, absolutely fell apart.
2: Yeah, it was quite dramatic and uh, vitriolic, and so Boemi had had a, a horrible day, basically, and this is, it was basically the weekend where he lost the championship uh, to Lucas Degrassi, and uh, he'd been leading it before, he missed New York, and then he came in crashed in practice, destroyed the tub, had, had to be repaired before the race, end up getting him disqualified from that particular race anyway. But, I mean, he put in a great drive, if I'm honest, that he fought his way from the very back of the field. He carved his way through the field up to, I think, fourth, so he just missed out on the podium to Stefan Sarazan. Stefan Sarazan held him off at the end, and Degrassi won. And so, Bramie, he'd been hit at the start by Friends, but he didn't, it was one of the Andres, he didn't see which one it was. So he went, he sees... And Andrade driver, it's the Costa, and he confronts the Costa, and the Costa is like, why, why are you having a go at me? I didn't do anything. And then and then, <laughs> then like, uh, he's like, oh, it was you, Robin. And then he starts on Robin. And uh, that conversation, and I think um, Robin had a few uh, choice. He basically threatened like, uh, next time I'll, I will break more than just your wheel or something, was it, he said. Or he threatened to break his car for more, even more seriously next time, I think was the thing. But, and then, after that's over, you think it's over, and then Boemi, uh, Daniel Apt, who Boemi had had an incident with him in the pit lane, uh, confronted him. So really, he went to war with everyone that day. He was taking no prisoners. And uh, I think Boemi since has uh, said that, look, uh, that wasn't me, I was just angry. But um, it's certainly something that he's uh, still known for, and I don't think he likes having it brought up, but it's, uh, it was definitely very entertaining and uh, enthralling, dramatic controversial. just all the things we like about Formula One.
0: Yeah, I think, Will, probably that stemmed from... Because I'm thinking season three, he probably should have been a back-to-back champion. But obviously, missing that New York race, you know, was so detrimental to him actually winning the championship. If he was there in New York, he would probably have been the first double champion, I believe. But, you know, you have to be in it to win it. And Degrassi was in it to win it, and Boemi wasn't. So you can argue that Degrassi deserved it, obviously. But I just think, obviously, missing out on New York and then things not going his way, and he knew he had to play catch-up after missing two races in New York, and I just think the emotions boiled over.
1: Yeah, he's he's someone who kind of, I don't know if you could call it misfortune or or just controversy kind of followed around, especially in the first few seasons. If you think back to, you know, the dramatic circumstances in which he missed out in, in season one and then the dramatic circumstances in which he succeeded in season two you know, he could actually have been a, a triple champion, um, had things gone his way. Um, but as it is, he, he's, he's not. Um, so yeah, I, I, I can kind of see why frustration probably got the better of him in this situation, but at the same time, you know, it's fantastic when we see a driver confront just one other driver, but to see him to get out the car and confront three other drivers is just, <laughs> is just very, very funny. And, uh, yeah, I can see that Buemi probably is a bit embarrassed by it now, but I think he's a driver who always brings great value on and off the track. So yeah, I, I I thought it was hilarious.
0: I think enough time has passed now that we can probably joke about it, and if you probably brought it up to Buemi, you could probably bring it in more of a comedy element rather than. Well, I'll let you test that, you Jack. Did, you did this. I'll pro- I'll try it one day. I'll try. It. We'll make a video and see if we can bring it as a joke one day. But I think I think no, Buemi. He's a very passionate person, but he's also he's also quite kind hearted he's he, he's he he gives you a lot of time of his day um he's a very nice person so i'm sure just from the brief interactions and interviews that i've had with him before um you know he'd be he'd be well up for a laugh um but anyway so moving on to number 1 now yeah, i'm probably well, i wonder now that we obviously we've used the beijing one so you're probably wondering what we've picked but We've gone for the season two title decider involving Bohemi and Degrassi again in London. And that huge crash going into technically turn two. Um, It was just amazing. I remember being in the media centre and I was like, you know, there was talk about it. There was rumours. Is this going to be another Prost centre? Is Degrassi going to hit Bohemi off and he wins the championship? Because Degrassi was leading. If Bohemi beat him, it was like one point, I believe it was. So if Bohemi beat him, Bohemi was on pole that day. If he beat, uh, Degrassi was ahead by one point. Apologies, I don't know if I said that the right way around. Um, so if Boemi was out, it doesn't matter if Degrassi was out as well. Degrassi wins the title. And there was rumours. Not saying that I was ever in Degrassi's mind. Because I can't say that. I'm not saying, but there was talk. In, could this happen? Could this actually happen? And then it happened. And we were like, what i remember being in that media center and we're like we couldn't believe it the gasp the like the shock of horror like oh like it was will it was just unbelievable
1: <laughs> yeah it's yeah it's it's, in, it's incredible and you you mentioned kind of like prost and center and it, it's almost like too i don't know too predictable it's like you kind of it's too shocking that you think oh this surely can't happen but for it to play how it did is it's incredible and, yeah, I think in the end, the fact that Buemi managed to, to kind of come back and, and, and be the victor is probably kind of justice done. I don't know if, if Degrassi did it on, on purpose or not, and, you know, I think you've got to probably give him the benefit of the doubt. But, yeah, I mean, what a fantastic way to to finish a championship in in London at, at Battersea Park. It's just, yeah, it's, it's incredible. One of, those, one of those kind of, like, surreal moments in motorsport, um, you know, regardless of the fact that it's kind of like from a burgeoning championship
0: yeah and for me ed i remember that race and i'm sure you will as well in terms of i remember in the media center i was there and obviously both cars they didn't retire from that race Degrassi was probably worse off actually from the collision then than, than bohemi because obviously he completely broke his suspension whereas bohemi just lost his rear wing but tried to continue because downforce obviously it didn't matter you know the car still could have gone round, but the fia called him in and yeah,
2: they were just,
0: side, think, yeah. yeah, they were just sitting in the garage. And then, obviously, the championship came down to fastest lap. And if Buemi got the fastest lap, you know, he, he would have won the title. If Degrassi, obviously, if, got the fastest lap, um, he won the title. So it became a fastest lap battle as well. So even that, the crash was crazy. But even the way the title was then decided was crazy because they were sitting in the pit lane. They were right in front of each other the tension was there everyone was just looking out the media window to see when they were going to exit the pit to say to tell to find out when they've actually gone out on track it was just crazy
2: it certainly was and it was a bit hard to because i remember being in the stands trackside, and seeing them go by and it was a little hard to explain to like some of the that i remember some guy who came in who with his son his young son to watch the race and it is really hard to, he he didn't really know much about Formula E, so it's so difficult trying to explain to them the situation in the championship, how it was going to be decided by fastest lap. Because people are vaguely familiar with motor racing, they're not used to like Formula One until last year, because they hadn't had a point for fastest lap for like you know years, and they not let alone have it decide a championship. So um, the other thing I really know remember was. Uh, I, like you say, seeing them, the wounded cars struggle back to the fits, especially Degrassi with the spent wheel just pointing the wrong way compared to the other wheel. And, um, yeah, I was seeing them. It was really noticeable when they were going for a, a fastest lap as well because you, 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 you really heard the the motor in that Audi, um, the Apshoeffler of Degrassi, wearing... And Boemi, Boemi was really fast in qualifying, and you knew compared you, would see Prost and all the others who were doing their normal race. And then Boemi would come along, he do a very slow lap, and then he'd come in, boom and be gone before you'd notice. And it was, it really made a big impression on me. And it was, it was definitely very tense, a very unusual title decider, I think. And but I think that uniqueness almost plays into its favor, and that's probably why we've got it uh, at the top of the list. they are definitely bigger, um, more crashes with more cars, more crazy incidents. But I think that Buemi-Degrassi rivalry, those two personalities and the clash of them, that was um, something that really defined not just the, that end of season two, but I think the first three seasons of Formulary. But yeah, definitely fond memories of that, that crazy decider in fantasy.
0: Yeah, and I suppose that moves us on beautifully for our next topic, which we're obviously we're going to go back. So obviously, me and Ed back in season one and season two, there was this big, like, upheaval of the Battersea Park race in London, and obviously the residents weren't happy, and you know there was a massive battle in in courts, in 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 local governments for the race to actually go ahead. And Ed, I'm going to pass it on to you because you you really spearheaded this project in terms of you know, on being on the, re- not on the resident side, but you were on that sort of understanding of theirs, whereas Formula E was sort of fighting against it. You sort of met, understood both sides of the argument quite well.
2: Yeah, I, I think that's very fair to say. I was sort of unusual for me. I was sort of the mediator in the situation, which is perhaps people who know me would not uh, normally expect that, knowing how I usually am, quite heart on my sleeve kind of guy. But um, yeah, so let's explain first off how the the race came about so formerly were keen on having a race in london right from day one initially Alejandro gag CEO formerly at the time and now chairman he wanted london as the season opener but that didn't end up working out so he ended up having it as the season finale and so why did they choose Battersea? uh it was the first choice of any Alejandro gag used to live near the park and he often he said he'd go there with his children and he sort of had this uh, fantasy dream, maybe dream is a more appropriate word of turning it into uh, a racetrack somehow on on the ring road, which is interesting because the ring road, if you look at it, it's quite narrow and it's crowned, so it's sort of on those things maybe. When the kids are playing on it, it seems a lot bigger. But when you're actually there, it's quite narrow and kind of difficult to overtake, but anyway. But it also avoided the whole problem of having to close uh, roads on London, which, as you can imagine, is, would be very disruptive, not just to commuters, but also to a business, having to like, close roads, close businesses around them. Interestingly enough, uh, the backup venue, in case Battersea fell through, that was the XL Centre in Docklands. But a gag, like I said, had this personal connection with Battersea. That was always the first choice. Uh, initially, of Council turned them down, as the local council in Battersea. And they, they just thought it was going to be too impractical, it would have been too risky. And what changed their mind was they got a um, a certain uh, conservative politician, uh, who was the mayor of London at the time, sent in an incredibly verbose and lengthy email to the head of Wandsworth Council.
0: Which was Boris Johnson.
2: Yeah. Oh, OK. okay. Yeah, I was trying trying to uh, avoid actually saying his name, but <laughs> yeah, that, that was him, Jack. And the word, I always remember in the email, he said, basically, he waffled on a lot, like I'm saying, but he said, it would be in your best interest, basically, to hold the race in Battersea I think in your best interest is the quote that really stood out to me. And you can, you can sort of imagine it from his point of view. He was seeing it like, you know, his version of the London Olympics. This is what he was going to stamp his mark on. He was friends with GAC. He was personal friends with him. I'm not sure if they still are, but, you know, whatever. So why was it in the council's interest? Because formerly he paid them. The council afterwards, um, because they held the race for two years, they ended up holding it for two years, and they were paid, I think, £2.85 million by like Formula E, essentially, or they, they got £2.85 million out of yeah. the DR. And
0: this was part of Formula E's initiative. In the first season, they wanted to leave a legacy. They wanted to leave a legacy at every place. Um, so it wasn't just, we're coming in, we're doing a race, and then we're going away. So there was sort of some benefits, because obviously Formula e, in the first two seasons, they, they needed to persuade host cities to actually you know be part of the championship and be by doing that giving them funds to actually, like, improve facilities. Because, you know, the area around Bassi Park and Wandsworth did get a lot of money, and they did use that to improve the facilities. Like, it wasn't... That, that money wasn't just, you know, put away to the side. Like, Wandsworth did actually use that money to improve facilities elsewhere in, in the borough and, and at Bassi Park itself. So that's why Formula E were, were giving Wandsworth Council at the time money. And in hence, also, why Boris Johnson said that it is in your best interest because you're going to get this money from Formula E and you can use that any way best fit to improve the facilities in your borough.
2: I, gr- I agree that that was the plan. That was certainly the idea and that was how they sold, one of the ways they sold the idea to the public. Another important thing to mention is there in the contract there was a break clause. So it was supposed to be for five years, but there was an option. Uh, every year they would sort of review, the council. At least would review it. And both ends, Formula e and the council, had an option where if, the, if either side felt things weren't working out, they could pull out and end the deal prematurely. They wouldn't have to fulfill the entire contract if they didn't want to. And so, so that's a key thing to keep in mind. Another thing, just this is a small thing, but in August 2014, Formula e did a secret test with Lucas Degrassi in the park at 4 a.m. in the morning. So nobody was awake. Was awake. They, uh, they put the barriers up. They did one run with Degrassi. Uh, he could basically did a lap. And uh, because nobody woke up, they used that as sort of proof of concept that to help sell another thing to help sell the race. The fact that, look, we didn't wake anyone up, that proves that we're not going to be a loud, noisy, disruptive event. But that was one of our gang's big things. And to me, that's a little disingenuous because it's. if you've ever been to a Formula e event, you know it's not just the cars making noise. There's the EJ pumping out his tunes. You've got the TB helicopter wearing overhead. So to me, it was a little disingenuous, uh, so so the deal was agreed. Uh, so far, so good, right? You think? Uh, and in early two thousand and fifteen, they started construction because obviously it wasn't just the putting on the barriers and stuff. They had to lay down extra tarmac for the chicanes to make so the FIA could approve the circuit for you know the level that Formula e needed to race at at the time, which I believe was Grade Three.
0: This was the problem that the residents had, if I remember correctly, because you know. They, well, they say they weren't properly consulted on the actual event, but, you know, when they started seeing those diggers come in and actually dig up a bit of the grass to then become tarmac, that's when this whole this whole resident thing and this whole war with Formula E that lasted two years really, really got underway.
2: Maybe war's a strong word, but thinking back, yeah, it did feel a bit like kind of a war. They took it very personally, and because when they saw the... John Fox, who was the guy who started it all, he was a local surveyor. He woke up one morning, looked out the window, and saw these diggers in the park, and when, when he shared this thing around, and it sort of, I didn't exactly go viral, but um, in the local community, it certainly did, and they all really clenched onto that. It was like our park is being attacked. It's almost like they felt they, you know, a bit of their, you know, per, this place that they cherished and went to every day was being you know, altered and they feared it would be like um, that some of the damage might not be able to be repaired. Uh, So this, that's how initially it was called, say Battersea Park, later they renamed themselves to Battersea Park Action Group. So this is where a young 19 year old university student, Edward Hunter, yours truly, gets involved. So the first race went ahead, I went and uh, had a great time uh, but there were a lot of negative news stories uh, surrounding the event. And specifically, one of the things I really upset was the month-long construction period. And the Rock Residents complained it was really chaotic and disorganized. There's like kids going through the park needed to get run over by heavy goods vehicles. They just didn't like the fact that there were like 400 HDVs making journeys there and back to get all the bits of concrete in. So I was hearing about this, and my first impression was that honestly, at the time, I felt they were being a bit ignorant and petty, really. And I was spoiling it for formulaic fans, in a way. Uh, but my student hall, it wasn't far away. So I, I i heard about these local meetings they were holding at a place called Ethelberger Community Centre, which is right next to the park. And uh, usually it's just used for like children's parties. So I remember when I actually got there, there was like balloons still in the ceiling from the party like three hours before. I sort of put out an olive branch to the, um, the residents. I wanted to hear their side of the story, at least hear them out. And so the first meeting I went to I remember it was 23rd of October 2015, I went in full Mahindra gear, bright red, so couldn't have stuck out like more of a sore thumb at all. And I went there sort of expecting, all right, I'll come in, I'll sign up, and I told them I was coming before, and they'll, I'll, I'll, they'll, they'll listen to what I have to say, they'll laugh, or they'll, they won't be impressed, and eventually they'll tell me to go away, basically, there'll be one meeting, and I'll probably come back. And... Against all expectations, I went in, sat down. I've got a few odd looks, you know, naturally. And, um, but they were all really nice. They were welcoming. And I remember what really set the tone. <clears throat> the guy chairing the meeting was a guy called uh, Professor Paul Eakins. And he was a really nice guy, I but he started off, he you know, said, this is what we're going to talk about today. And also thanks to Ed Hunter, who's joined us today. He's a Formula E fan and he's come to hear us out. And he says, so basically, you know, let's hear what he has to say, let's take him seriously, be nice guys. And he didn't have to do that. And so I really appreciated that. Uh, despite having you know got off to a rocky star, actually, things went really well, to be honest with them. I mean, it wasn't, I we disagreed a lot, obviously. I mean, we were coming from like a completely different perspective, i Formula E fans, they're not. And the problem is they don't know very much about Formula E fans, because I thought, right, if I can fill them in, and at least, you know, they, they know what they're talking about, then, they don't make a fool of themselves. And hopefully, what I was thinking is that this has to end with Formulae negotiating. There has to be some kind of discussion and dialogue between Formulae and the residents. And if I'm the guy that sort of, you know, starts that off and opens it up to the idea, then, you know, maybe I've done my
0: bit. So then there was all this the discussions, which then you went to and so forth. And then it came down to this court meeting where yeah. the local the local government wanted to obviously Wandsworth Council had a meeting and this was to decide basically whether the race whether to carry on or to break the contract and Formula we were both there at that meeting um as long with other other press people um we were both there and. You know, there was a discussion back and forth. The people, the residents that you were talking to at these meetings, they came in, they made their discussions, but it didn't really seem to sway the council at all. So the council decided not to break the contract and actually then continue the five year period. So basically, Battersea Park should have been on the calendar till season five because the council, sorry, they allowed the contract to go through. So. It should have been there. So just to sort of wrap up the story, how did the residents in effect then sort of stop for, because Formula pulled out, Formula the end of the story is Formula E pulled out. They said, fine, we won't race here. We'll find another location. So just run us through how, how the residents actually, you know, talked to Formula and Formula said, fine, we'll pull out of the contract, despite us having an, a written agreement now to say that we have the right to race there till season five.
2: In the meetings, they talked about legal action for a long, I I remember asking them about it, and they said basically, look, you know, it's on the table, but we don't want to do it unless there's a last resort, because as you can imagine, taking legal action, it costs a lot of money, and it's even more expensive if you lose, and these guys, they were the underdogs, especially early on. They didn't really expect that they would win. So after all those meetings that we were talking about in 2016, Jamie Jackson, who was a local a blind author among the guys there, he did this legal crowdfunding campaign. He hired a QC who had a lot of experience with like, noise complaints and motorsport teams. Uh, and so everything was heading towards his court case, yeah. And you, you've got to remember the context at the time. Formerly had just lost the Moscow Prix as well. Uh, that was originally on the season two calendar, and they put, it was quite midway through the season that that got cancelled by the um, Russian government, basically. So if the council lost in court, then Formula e would have lost the season for nine. I think a lot of Formula e fans do not realise just how close it came to having the championship end prematurely in season two. We could have had it end after Berlin, and it would have gone in favour of Degrassi that year in season two, because he was a point ahead going into that fantasy weekend. So a gag met with the residents in secret and did a deal. Nobody, even I didn't know about it. And so the deal was that um, they'd let them hold the last event in 2016, and then they wouldn't formally wouldn't come back. And it was obviously a hard deal for the gag to sell to the teams and stuff, because they really liked going to London Vality, but the deal was, okay, well, come back next year at a different venue. And of course that didn't end up happening. It took several years for them to agree to Excel basically, which is what I was pushing for. One of the things that I got the residents to push for as well, which I think was one of the more effective things that we they, they campaigned for. Cause it was sort of, it wasn't just, well, we want Formula E to be canceled. It was, hey, we don't hate Formula E. We think Excel would be a way better place for it. And that's a much more positive way to campaign in my opinion. So it ended in a compromise. And so it didn't fully satisfy either side. Like I said, they kept it secret from me, which was a little bit of surprising when I found out like the day before the court case was supposed to happen. But overall, I feel like it ended in the best possible way. And you know, there was a lot of passion, a lot of you know, emotion boiling over either side of the argument. I had a lot of I, some people who criticized you know my actions. After it made me really think, you know, did I do the right thing in you know supporting these people? But I have to say. Looking back, I feel like the way it ended, that was the best way it could have ended, in my opinion. Without having to go to
0: court. I feel like that
2: justified what I did.
0: Yeah, I remember. It was it was crazy. It was a, a mad time. I remember going to, to the meetings and and listening in, and then from that on, I was able to fill in the public about what was actually going on with London. It's a shame, really, because I thought it was a great track. Yes, the main problem, really, was that the... the the month lead up period the month lead up period was was the main issue um because obviously the event was taken down in three days and that's the main problem that every Formula E race has now is that three week build-up process um because it's not just a one-day event it sells itself as a one day event in and out but you're not really in and out and every city that hosts a Formula E race will know that you're not in and out you know you've got the three-day clear-up period and you've got the you know, the two, three week setup period and whether formally have gotten quicker in that in terms of setting up an event, I don't know, but um, yeah, it normally takes about three weeks set up, but they take, they may, they're able to take it down in three days, um, which is good. But then the sort of last thing that I want to move on to before we finish very quickly, obviously tomorrow is the esports is the 1st esports test race. So it's not actually a championship point. So it's just a few things because we're still in the dark, still in the dark. don't know what we we'll track we're racing on. Yeah. We don't know if there's any influencers, any special guests coming into this race. We have no idea. At the moment, we just know the 14 form, Formula Red drivers plus Nick Cassidy, who's the, the test driver for, who's filling in for Sam Bird, who, who's, who's racing. We don't really know anyone else. So it's going to be quite interesting to see how tomorrow's race actually acts as a test race when I, I'm not even sure, Will, that we're going to experience a full grid that we might experience on the first race next Saturday. Yeah,
1: I think it's good that they've finally done it, Um, but like has been the case with Formula 1, it might take a couple of weeks to get up and running and kind of get all the drivers that they want competing, but it seems like they've actually done a better job to start with. Um, Yeah, it was an obvious move for for Formula E to make and I think we've discussed this um, on a previous show, but esports have really blown up in recent weeks because of the lack of real racing, so it was a completely necessary thing. Maybe it will actually show that they waited a bit, and actually, they have a much fuller and higher profile grid, and maybe that will play to their advantage. Um, it's difficult to say just yet, but if it's a really well produced event with you know eighty percent of the actual grid competing, then maybe they'll be justified in waiting a little bit longer than rather, you know, bit of a kind of like rough and ready product that Formula One put together and in, in a bit of a rush because they felt like they're behind. Yeah,
0: and I suppose Ed just. Finally, you know, what do you, what do you expect from this race? Who do you think might be one of our surprise drivers who might actually do really well? And who do you think, who do you think is going to win this?
2: Um, I've, I've to be honest, I am, if the sim races are involved, I, uh, I don't, you know, the people who do it professionally, uh, I'm not sure that the Formula E drivers will be the favourites then. If there's a sort of joint race at the end. I know they're sort of, they're doing the separate races and I yeah. wasn't sure if the final had them both in.
0: So who do you think will be the best Formula E driver then? So forget this, because we don't know what sim racers are driving tomorrow. So at the moment, I just think it's 14 Formula E drivers. So so who do you think the best one will be?
2: I was just going to say in terms of the sim racers, there were some really good ones that did the uh, Road to Vegas a few years ago. And I really hope this is a way of getting some of them back. As for the Formula E drivers, I think I think Jaguar's guys, Mitch Evans and James Collado have been doing a lot of stuff with the race. So obviously a different car to Formula One, but I I think I think the ones who do it more often, I think have a bit more experience. I think that bodes well for them. I think Nick Nick, Nick Cassidy joining, even though we can't have Sam Burr for you know whatever reason, I think having Nick Cassidy in is great because he's a he's a dr- junior driver who I really rate. But I think Felipe Massa is doing it, which is I think a big coup as well. Obviously being quite well known from Formula One, so. Yeah, there are a lot of big names, but I think if I was just to pick one, I would go for Nichols or fair James. Play.
0: I, fair play. I think for me, it's Antonio Felix da Costa. I think he's done so many esports lately. He's obviously part of the F1 series. For me, Antonio Felix da Costa. I wouldn't be surprised, though, as my surprise pick of Robin Fries doing well. Not had a sim. Sim said, you know, was asked about it, said, I don't have a sim, so I can't do much. Now mm-hmm. has a sim, because Formula e have delivered one to him. And I have a feeling he might pull a through surprises will who would you think is your main surprise and who do you think is going to win this first test event
1: um yeah probably have to go with the costa i've seen him race a bit in, i think some of the race events as well um and he looks pretty pretty handy it's a shame that felix Rosenqvist, um isn't competing as well I know he's not the current formulary e driver but he looks really handy as well but yeah I'll, I'll agree with you and go with um i think going with either mitch evans or to Costa, it'd be fun to see that the drivers are actually at the front of the grid in in the real formula would also uh, be the case in the uh, in the sim arena as well.
2: I suppose Will Felix could do the, the uh, sim racing race, <laughs> since he's not in
1: Formula League at the moment. But yeah. yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. I'd like to see him get back, because he's done loads of sim racing, and he's really good.
0: But at least we've got some stuff to talk about and dissect on Monday, on Monday show, because, you know, it's a test event, we don't know what to expect. You know, they, they've just said we're doing this sim race, basically. And we've got these former drivers. This has had the format. You know, not said a track that we're racing on yet. Not said what type of tracks we'll be racing on. So there's going to be so much to learn tomorrow about this eSport event that we can dissect and decide whether or not it, it will actually work, which is what I'm really looking forward to. So I want to say thank you, boys, for, for today's show. Uh, pleasure, as always. Thank you, Ed. Oh, cheers, Jack. That was a lot of fun. Uh, Will, thanks once again.
1: Yeah, thanks. And uh, as someone who wasn't involved with Formula E Zone back in Season 1, it was fascinating to hear um, the kind of process that Ed went through, trying to yeah broker that, that, that agreement.
2: Yes. It was not easy, Well, It was yeah. not easy.
0: It was, it, it was a challenging time, let me tell you. Um, but thank you so much for watching. You know The eSports event starts at 3.30 tomorrow. You can watch it on all the social media, Twitch, YouTube, on the FIA Formula E stuff. Um, we will see you on Monday to dissect it all. You've been watching the FEZ show. We will see you next week. Goodbye. And don't
2: forget to like and subscribe.